Welcome to T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. Your host is Jose Negron. We take the guesswork out of technological jargon so that you know what's next, why it's great or not so great, and how you can benefit from it by learning about it early. Now, here is Jose Negron. Welcome, everybody. This is your host, Jose Negron, on VoiceAmerica.com on the Variety Channel. We're hosting the leading technology show today, Tomorrow's Technologies, T3, every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time or noon East Coast Time. Just want to reach out to the audience. You can listen to our podcast, T3, Mondays and Tuesdays, in the morning and in the evening. Just go to your local uh, voiceamerica.com, look at the Variety Channel, and look up Today, Tomorrow's Technology. As a reminder for everyone, uh, we continue to reach out on topics that are of interest to the audience and, of course, to the guests. And more importantly, we try to uh, carry out a dialogue so that we are talking not only the techie, engineering, and scientific methods of uh, the discussion, but really having a normal non-techie discussion so that you're familiar uh, with what we're talking about and it's useful in your daily living. Uh, Of course, uh, I'd like for the audience to keep uh, um, informed. And if you need to call the show, call at 866 Four seven two five seven eight eight, or you can email at today tomorrow's technologies. I'm excited today because I still have my two guests, uh, Steve Curtis and Tom Dolan. We've been doing a series of uh, of shows here. Uh, today's topic is all renewables are the future energy needs met. Our goal uh, today is really to have an understanding: what do we really mean by renewable energy that support our power energy consumption. I just think uh, with the, uh, the increase in uh, electrical cars, the increase in electricity consumption, uh, are we really ready for a 2030, 2050 uh, projection for power consumption? The discussion today uh, is all about the green revolution. But really, what do we really mean by the green revolution? And what are the renewable fuels? Do we have a standard metrics? States after states are making demands of changing their energy grids and meeting the renewable fuel capacity by 2030. Uh, We're talking about uh, solar, wind, bio, wave technology, and others. Uh, Today's show is to cover a little bit about each of these fuels. And and more importantly, I want to make sure that the audience understands that if we're missing something or we say, something wrong we're only stating what we have found out what we know and what we uh wanted to project at the time so please if you uh see something that we've stated wrong uh please call 866-472-5788 i i take this show uh, talking about renewable fuels at as the beginning because my studies tell me that we really don't have a Uh, a matrix chart that we can compare wind, solar, let's just say nuclear or any of the energies in a scale that is equal. We're we're comparing apples and oranges and maybe even pears when we start talking about renewables. So the purpose of the show is to get everybody to talk about apples to apples so we can compare what are the productive renewable fuels for the future. At the end of the show, you'll be able to answer the questions, uh, you know, the best way to evaluate new uh, renewable fuels, uh, what 
does the energy saving or output for the green revolution mean when we talk about re re uh, renewable fuels? And then uh, is the U.S. at the forefront of uh, energy power transmission as far and consumption when we start using renewable fuel? Therefore, I'll divide the segment today. As always, we'll discuss uh, uh, the renewable energy and the impact in the U.S. Uh, for segment one. Segment two, we'll talk about the major factors that make up these renewable fuels and how do we measure them. Uh, should nuclear energy even be considered a renewable fuel? If we have the right definition of what renewable fuels are, what uh, could nuclear energy be one of them? And then the third segment is how do we move forward to ensure there's a apple-to-apple -apple comparison? And we'll talk about the discrepancy. It's really frustrating when you start looking at the maze, and it, it was a maze to research uh, to get prepared for the show. So, uh, I, uh, like I said earlier, if you're just joining us for the first time, this is the uh, third show in a series, uh, three-part series. Our first show was a renewable fuel solution called Nuclear Energy, uh, Recycling the Ashes of Nuclear Fission. And, of course, this show today, we're going to talk about all the renewables are the future energy needs met. So before we continue on, let me uh, bring on our two guests. Uh, uh, Mr. Steve Curtis has worked in the radiation nuclear proliferation for more, over 30 years. He is advancing nuclear energy and as a way to contribute to clean energy production. His ideas on recycling the use of fuel are gaining uh, attention throughout the country. Uh, Mr. Tom Dolan uh, has 25 years experience in law enforcement, been at the leading forefront in, uh, in the emergency Management Institute, Radiation Emergency Management, and Incident Command Systems. Uh, Steve and Tom, welcome to the show. Well, thank, thank you very you. much, Jose. Great to be here. Perfect. Uh, let's uh, let me just walk back a little bit, uh, especially when I start talking about this series, all renewable. Are the future energy needs met? Steve, uh, when we last spoke, we talked a little bit in detail about, uh, you know, the renewable fuel solution, nuclear energy is being one. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about recycling the ashes of nuclear fission. Today, I really want to focus on all renewables. Are the future energy needs met? So let's start from the beginning. And what are we, what are we, ta what are we talking about when we say renewable fuels and, uh, and, and energy consumption? So I'll throw that out to you, Steve. Yeah, well, so it's interesting, Jose. Um, I look at the, the world uh, uh, as a place where we can in really enjoy the modern technologies that we've developed. And the way we're looking at the uh, clean air aspect of what we're doing now, part of it, a big part of it, is called uh, energy efficiency. So we're asked to foreclose, for, to, to, to not use some of the energy assets that we have, to really try to cut back on the energy that we use, which really cuts back into our lifestyle. I don't think we need to do that. When you talk about renewables, and those really are things that they, def that they I don't define it that way, but they define it as things that, that grow constantly and can re be replaced. It's really kind of a misnomer when you're talking about clean air, and people think renewables are equate to clean air, but they're basically wind, solar, hydro, geothermal, biomass, and ethanol. Well, biomass and ethanol comprise of 40, 45% of the amount of renewables that they quote, and those are fossil fuels. They're burning wood and, and ethanol. And so you're really not helping the atmosphere or the situation, and yet they're called renewables. So we're really 
like you said, we're not comparing things, apples and oranges, and it's really important for people to understand. And I wish they'd call in and ask some questions because that's very important. But it's really important for them to understand what they're really buying into. And uh, what you pay for power is not what you see on your bill. There's a lot of money going behind the scenes and being thrown about with power and lobbyists and, 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 and setting people up in a business that, that really is not quite ready to, to come online. And I think in the long run, the consumer is going to eat that cost and, in fact, are, are eating it right now. They just don't know it. And so we're concerned about making this, like you said, an apples-to-apples comparison. So when we look at the at – the, uh, there's a, a lot of problems – with every piece of energy we get, fossil fuels, gas, and and, uh, and coal are are low cost to build and high cost to, to provide fuel, and they're dirty fuel. No matter how you clean them up, they're still dirty fuel. You can get uh, wind and solar. They say it's free. The fuel is free. But, you know, when I ride my bicycle, my fuel is free, but sometimes I use a car. It just depends on what vehicle you want to move to get where you want to go. And nuclear, uh, the big thing about nuclear, they're saying, and these are all false, we've talked on the last two shows, is that they're way too expensive. Well, they're not way too expensive in Korea, and they're not way too expensive in China, so we're every bit as good as they are. They wouldn't be expensive here and mm-hmm. if, we, if we did it right. And uh, so we're looking at what's the best overall combination. And we're, I'm not saying throw away all, all, the, all the rest of the fuels and do just uh, nuclear either. Because we need competition. We need people to compete in the business. We're not going to get a good deal for power unless we have competing business interests in the power field. And the more the government takes that over, the less that competition happens. And that's what we're facing today, really a lack of competition under the word of renewables, which they want you to think is clean, but which really is not. Yeah, I'm just sitting here just, you know, with the complexity of renewable fuels, uh, the government agencies, uh, the, I don't know, the American Clean Energy Act, uh, the renewable portfolio standards. Uh, it's uh, it, even our, my own research into the, you know, what constitutes renewable fuels. And I keep asking myself some basic questions. You know, how is uh, renewable fuels defined? Or, or, what do we mean by carbon free? What is the uh, Clean Energy Act really do for us? And then uh, uh, is renewable uh, having a smaller footprint impact? And what does that footprint impact? you have any comments on that? Either, uh, um, Steve, I'll just throw that out to you and then I'll come back to Tom. Okay, sure. The impact is a huge issue. We're all thinking that because that we got some free fuel from solar and wind, that we should just drop everything else. That's what we're being told. Get rid of all the fossil fuel plants, drum out the nuclear plants, and paste solar and wind across the country. But consumers got to look deeper than that. You're being sold a bill of goods on that. So first of all, the large, large areas it takes to put solar panels and, and, and windmills in. And there's several projects across the country that are cutting down trees, cutting down 3,500 acres of forest to put in solar panels. And that's something that, that um, legislatures, state legislatures are rubber stamping, and a lot of it comes from just plain, pure greed and money. There are uh, uh, lots of money coming from your pocket through the government to these companies to put these solar and wind panels in, and so on the, on the, the part that you pay on your bill doesn't look so bad. But that, that bill is, is piling up. And so we need to really look and be critical about how 
this footprint is. Nuclear has a very, very small footprint, and next generation nuclear is going to have an even smaller footprint. It's on the level of 25 to 35 times more area to put solar panels in and on the area of 250 to 350 times more area to put wind, pan- wind uh, mills in. And so this is an eyesore. People are, who live near them don't really like it. They don't like their forests being cut down. They don't like their uh, uh, endangered species areas being covered with, with solar panels. But their voice isn't getting through because their legislatures are not listening to them. They're listening to the money that flows from Washington. And so we really need to consider all aspects of this when we're thinking about what we're going to do. Tom? Uh, Tom, how about yeah, Virginia? A, what is Virginia looking at? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a thorny issue here in Virginia because exactly what counts as renewable is kind of strange because it could be anywhere from uh, uh, biomass facilities that co-fire bi- biomass and uh, coal. You know, renewables could be called wind and solar, but also waste energy or landfill gas fire generation or uh, other amounts of biomass or even wood because wood is renewable. So it, it, it's really a misnomer saying that it's clean. Renewable is all not clean the way different states uh, actually call uh, renewables. It should be either stated clean energy or dirty energy, but that's not what's happening right now. And then right now, two of the largest wind and solar uh, uh, farms are going to be here in Virginia, uh, off the shore of uh, uh, Virginia in federal, federally leased uh, ocean lands. Uh, they're going to put up a whole bunch of windmills. And the whole problem with a lot of this is that there is so many subsidies. It's money that you've already paid in taxes going back to these companies to put this stuff in. In fact, both companies that are putting the stuff offshore here in Virginia, they're overseas. They're walking away with billions of dollars, millions to billions of dollars in subsidy money that you've already paid into uh, taxes versus coming to an American company. I mean, uh, also the land amount, like uh, Steve was saying, you got to look right now. We have two nuclear power plants here in Virginia. Let's just say we want to equal the same amount on, uh, uh, let's say, solar panels. You would have to have 262 square miles to equal both of our small uh, nuclear power plants, which they rest right now on about three square miles. Or if you wanted to put in a wind farm, that will be over 1,260 square miles to equal what we have in our uh, uh, current fleet of uh, nuclear power. But the problem with that also happens to be is that that's if there was sunshine 100 you know, percent of the time, 24 hours a day. The problem here is uh, we, we have an average of seven hours day sunlight uh, throughout the year. And also we have an average of uh, Uncloudy days, 61%. And that's bringing the efficiency down where they're saying, oh, yeah, we have 500 uh, uh, megawatts of power. In reality, it's much less than that. And then you still need to have power plants to back this all up. Uh, So you're still going to have a natural gas fire plant. And the efficiencies come down because they're not getting the same subsidies as wind or solar. And to ramp it up and ramp it down is actually putting more pollution in the sky because it's almost on a moment they have to be able to switch it on and off. And it's, a, it's a big problem. And uh, uh, here, let's say, for example, 
Warren Buffett, a lot of people listen, listen to Warren Buffett. You know, hey, he knows what he's talking about. He's, he's made the money. Well, he said that he only invests in wind energy because he gets a tax credit if we build a lot of wind farms. That's the only reason to build them. It doesn't make sense if you didn't have a tax credit. It's not a okay. moneymaker at that point. It, it, if people really saw the true value or the cost, and each one of these things, wind or solar, they only last 25 to 30 years. The, the large uh, plant here that's going to go up in, uh, right near uh, Fredericksburg, Virginia. Okay, that's 6,350 acres. It's going to be 1.8 million uh, solar panels. But they're only leasing it for 35 years. Then what? Who's right. cleaning up the mess? Well, Tom, let me just uh, go back to the audience and summarize. Uh, folks, uh, today we're talking about all renewables. Are the future energy needs met? Uh, my two guests are, of course, Steve Curtis and Tom Dolan. Uh, this is a series of uh, discussions. This is part three. Our first two was uh, a renewable fuel solution, nuclear energy, recycling the ashes of nuclear fission. And today we're talking about all renewables. Uh, are the future needs uh, met? And what we're trying to do is understand what does uh, wind, solar, hydro, geothermal, biomath, and ethanol uh, bring to the equation? How do we uh, continue to measure apples to apples? Because from my perspective, it's not just generating the uh, subsidies that are, are issued, but is the power consumption. The future power consumption is going to be tremendous, and I'm not sure when and power are, are going to be there to meet those needs. However, there's a lot of discussions on that. So when we come back, I'd like to talk about, uh, you know, what are the major factors that make up renewable fuels measurable uh, or metrics, and should nuclear energy part of that? And we'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you ever experienced the joy of living? Not just aspects of your life, but the true joy of life itself. Barry Shore has. You could call him an ambassador of joy. From a successful entrepreneur to becoming a quadriplegic due to a rare disease to his ongoing recovery through swimming and physical rehabilitation. Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. listening to today tomorrow's technologies to reach the program today please call in to 1-866-472-5788 that's 
472-5788 or send an email to today tomorrow's technologies at gmail.com now back to our show Welcome back, folks. Let's continue uh, part two. Uh, the topic today, all renewables are the future energy needs met. Our discussion today, uh, at least in this segment, will continue on on what are the major factors that make up these renewable fuels me- uh, measurements or metrics uh, so that we can start comparing apples to apples. And should nuclear energy be considered as a renewable fuel? I will state that our two guests, uh, uh, Mr. Steve Curtis and Tom Dolan, are involved in the nuclear industry. Uh, you know, so therefore, some of the topic may be leaning one way or the other. But I encourage each of our ge- our guests out there, the audience, uh, to really call back on the station at eight six six four seven two five seven eight eight and challenge any of the statements that we may make uh, here, because we're all trying to be transparent and and decide what is the best energy use for the United States. What is the best energy use and consumption rate uh, for the citizens of this country. So this segment, we'll talk a little bit more about the measurements and and then, of course, should uh, nuclear energy um, be part of the renewable fuels. So, Steve, uh, let's let's break this down and let's address uh, what what are some of the major factors that make up this renewable fuel measurable measurements or metrics that we analyze whether solar is better than wind, wind is better than carbon, uh, fossil fuel, and so forth and so on. Can you start that discussion? You bet. First of all, they, uh, you're really buying the first color TV set when you're buying wind and solar right now. It's the first iteration off the, off, the, off the net. And with subsidies, they don't have any reason to improve their efficiency or improve the ability of these uh, um, machines. So to give you an idea, you pay about $0.10 cents a kilowatt hour or $0.11 cents a kilowatt hour on your bill for power. The real cost of the power for producing solar and wind is about $0.15 cents a kilowatt hour. But that's not what they can bid on the market, so that difference has to be made up somewhere. And when they calculate in the cost of, 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 nuclear, uh, of, of wind and solar, I will say nuclear figures all of these costs in up front. You're paying for decommissioning. You're paying for uh, disposition of the used fuel. You're paying for um, all of the costs of running the reactor right out of your bill. So what you see is what you get with nuclear. Not so with uh, wind and solar. You've got to look at that. So, first of all, the lifetime of a wind and solar plant is maybe 25 years, okay? They're actually finding that the blades of uh, wind are failing after about 10 years because they get eroded away by particles in the atmosphere because these things are moving. Some of them, close to their tips, are moving about the speed of sound. It doesn't look like it when you're looking at them, but when you consider how fast they're moving on the outside edge... And so if they hit any kind of particle, they're going to get destroyed, and they are getting destroyed, and they're having to be replaced much sooner than they thought. That's a cost they don't figure into. So <clears throat> there's another thing called baseload cycling, and that means that you turn on your light switch at home. You want to see power. That doesn't, you don't want that to depend on whether the wind's blowing or whether the sun shines. You don't really care. You just want to see the power there. That's why they like um, Fossil fuel, coal, and natural gas burning all the time, producing all the time. Actually, that's down to about 65 or 70 percent of the time because there's a lot of maintenance goes on those plants. But nuclear burns 95 percent of the time, including all the downtime. So you have that backup that's clean energy for nuclear, but not with solar and wind. So how do they mitigate that? 
Well, when the wind's blowing, I'm from I'm living up here in Minnesota, and I went to the North Dakota uh, power company, and they were saying that um, when it gets minus 20 degrees, they have to shut the windmills down. When it gets more than 35 miles an hour wind, they got to shut the windmills down. So when do you want your power in North Dakota? You want it when it's cold. And so all of the solar panels are covered with snow, and all the windmills are shut down because it's too cold. So now what do you do? Crank up some more? Well, and it's coal in North Dakota, but other places have natural gas. So you get in there and fire up the natural gas and burn it for what you have. So you're really not getting any benefit from the wind and solar. And so when it comes online is not necessarily when they need it. And if there's already enough power on, their, on, on, on the net, they have to shunt the power off somewhere. And that not only is, is throwing the, the, the energy away, you have to pay somebody to take that energy when they don't want it. Because they have to find something to do with it and somewhere to put it. And it's either uh, um, sometimes they're using water storage to move it up and down a hill, and sometimes they're just throwing it away, just like they're burning off the natural gas out in western North Dakota. They're burning a billion cubic feet a year, just burning it up and not using it. So you've got to look at the, the, the overall um, cost. So that, that recycling times, a lot, of the, a lot of the power you get from wind and solar is not even being charged, it's not even being added to the net and not even being uh, beneficially used. Transmission lines, if you put... Wind where the wind uh, windmills where the wind is most blowing they're far far away from people, so that means long long transmission lines. Just recently, Texas spent three point six billion dollars to put thirty six hundred miles of transmission lines in for wind. That didn't show up on your bill. That came out of the good people of Texas's uh, hip pocket, whether they use wind power or not, whether they like it or not. So you really add another uh, you know one two and a half cents per per uh, kilowatt hour to that. And the electricity cost, and they've done a study, electricity costs, electricity costs 38% more in states where they force the renewable portfolio on them. It just costs more. And we know from Germany, when they shut down nuclear power plants, the air gets worse. If you look all the way around the world where they shut down nuclear plants, the air quality gets worse. So we're not making our climate goals uh, at all with renewables. And, and those are costs that are not included at all in the costs that... that they're advertising to pay up front for these wind and solar farms. So when they have to stand on their own, when they have to have investors paying into them, who's going who's gonna to want 20 cents a kilowatt hour cost for 10 cents a kilowatt hour sales? They're, nobody's going to want that. So once the subsidies go away, they were supposed to have gone away by 2016, but guess what? They're still here. Hmm, wonder why. So um, you got, if you look at all those factors, you really find that it's not, it's, it's not an investor-based um, profit center for for uh, wind and solar. We've looked at nuclear. We've we've seen how much the profit center is for nuclear. So, Steve, why do you think people are, uh, I guess, still uh, subsidizing uh, wind and solar? I know why you uh, give tax breaks and you give subsidies is to encourage uh, the output and encourage the, uh, I guess, the life pattern or behavior of the individual so that you can produce or move the population in that direction. That is one way, but the, uh, I guess the cost analysis tells you a different story. It does. So it's not. It tells me that it's not really based on consumer, uh, the, with the consumer in, in, in the top of their mind. Um, it's kind of a complicated thing, but but nuclear power has not advertised. You've not seen a, an advertised on national TV for forty years for nuclear power, because the people who who are purveying nuclear power, the companies that would uh, earn a, a living off of producing, simply haven't been building nuclear power plants in the United States. So they don't have the advertising budget to go down that road. Well, guess who does have it? The fossil fuel people have it. 
And they know that if you put wind and solar, it'll never, ever replace even the increase in electricity that's coming down the road. And we'll, we can talk about how much that is going to be. Well, when cars start going electric in a big way, you're going to about double the need for electric power in this country, and that could come within a generation. So okay. if you invest yourself all on, on, on um, wind and solar that's intermittent and count on batteries, which are very expensive to do, and they haven't even produced a battery yet that can have the capacity to back up the wind and solar all the time, maybe they're working on it, but it's not here. So if you want to gamble on something that's not here for you to come in and turn your switch on, well, you know, something you've got to consider. But if, you, if you're looking at the long-term solution to what our power is going to be like and you want clean air, you're really kind of hypocritical if you're not looking at nuclear because wind and solar is just too darn expensive. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit. How, how should uh, nuclear energy be considered as a renewable fuel? What is, what is your uh, take well, on nuclear Well, we're thinking fuel? of a different standard. You know, you want to have standards based. When they build cars, they don't tell them that we're going to subsidize Ford and, uh, and Chevrolet, and then we're not going to subsidize Dodge. That's not how they subsidize. They set a standard. Your cars have to make, you know, 23.5 miles per gallon average, or you can't sell them for anybody who wants to sell a car. Well, that's what we're advocating for this. If you put a standard on, on clean energy, the standard out there is 50 grams of carbon um, 50 grams of carbon per kilowatt hour, okay? If you, set that, if you set that standard, then wind, solar, and geothermal, and hydro, and nuclear can all make that standard. So what we're advocating is call that clean energy. You want clean energy... If you want to encourage clean energy, call it clean energy. That's clean energy. Take the wood burning and the ethanol and the natural gas and the coal and move that into something called dirty energy. And you do that with a standard. So if your energy can prove it can produce less carbon than this level, then you get this kind of a subsidy. And, and there's, there, it should be standardized within the U.S. government. There's maybe eight different agencies that are pulling from their budget to, to subsidize wind and solar in different ways. Tax credits and purchase power agreements and all kinds of stuff. That, that's your money flowing out the back door as a taxpayer for really kind of nothing. And so what we think you should do is, is set that standard. They're doing it throughout the rest of the world, not in a big way, but they're starting to. And uh, everywhere they're putting wind and, and, and um, solar, they're having trouble with it. Take, take, like Tom said, if you go to, to uh, Virginia or even farther north, you're getting less and less sun per year than everybody else. And it's cloudy in a lot of areas. So you're not getting power from those things when it's cloudy and, 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 and the sun's not shining and snow's three feet buried on top of your solar panels. So maybe your capacity factor is 10%. In Virginia, so if they put solar panels over Virginia, you're only getting a tenth of the advertised power. So if they're put, say they're putting in two gigawatts of solar, you're really only getting about 200 um, megawatts. And so that's basically about a quarter of, of one nuclear power plant that's in Virginia. So you really got to look at the cost you're paying for that. And then, and then you have to have the storage or you have to have the peaking power behind it. So basically, you're buying a, a natural gas plant every time you're buying a, a wind or solar plant at the same size. So you're really buying two power plants for the price of one, and, and that, that cost is, is going to be reflected somewhere. Right, right. Yeah, so let's talk they're, about... They're saying what, that for 
20% of uh, use of uh, uh, solar or wind, uh, you're going to need 80% of a backup for it. And it's, it's ridiculous. It's just, yeah. you know, Tom, one of the things that Steve's discussing, I want you to expand on it, is the idea of having, a, he calls it a standard, I call it a, uh, a metrics table that we're comparing apples to apples and utilizing the same variables and uh, so that we can be, uh, make a comparative judgment which one's better. But when you're, uh, I'm not going to say hiding costs, but you, you don't include the cost of certain functions that you have to do, uh, the pre-planning, the the construction, uh, the power uh, um, production, then the dismantling, and then the uh, total, uh, I guess, uh, breakup of the of the product itself, whether it be uh, nuclear, solar, uh, or um, wind. You need to include all those costs, and I don't, I don't believe, at least based on what I'm hearing Steve say, my own research this week on renewables, that we're not. Uh, we're not tackling the same problem the same way. What are your thoughts there, Tom? Well, definitely. I mean, nuclear is the only place that pays up front all through the cycle, whether they're going to have, you know, it operates for 40, 50, 60, 80 years. It has in the price that it's going to be dismantled, and it's already in the price of that throughout the lifespan of it. Also, the fuel, it's uh, the, the used fuel, it's already in the, in the price. You're not going to get that from wind. You're not going to get that from solar. Uh, whether they say they have a decommissioning plan or not, it's not in, they're not being held to this. I mean, if you take a look at the, uh, right now, these utility-scale wind turbines, they're running 2.2, 2.4 million. And, you know, that's running a you know, uh, two megawatts. So it's just crazy. I mean, the overall price installed is like 4 to $5 million. And you're looking at these fields of great amounts of it. The, once they, they are no longer in use or the lease of the land is up, who's taking them down? I mean, yes. Yes. Nobody well, paid. one of the things, the one of the things, uh, let me just back up for the public at least, uh, you know, electric uh, generation uh, for, from the selected fuels. You know, when we look at coal today, we're looking at a consumption rate of about 24%. The goal is to get to about 13% in 2050, a, a major decline. Same thing with nuclear. We're at 19% today, but we're looking at a 12% usage rate. Natural gas has been stabilized. It's been and uh, one of those things at 37% and still using at 36%. And then, of course, renewables at 19% with an increased popular, uh, growth of 38%. Uh, that's quite an increase of uh, those renewable fuels that we talked about. But at the same time, I, I don't think we have the comparative uh, uh, study that uh, equalizes the production or the consumption of the fuel, whether you're using solar, wind, geothermal, hydroelectric, or, you know, nuclear or coal. I mean, the whole idea is to get clean. And I think Steve's definition of, uh, what was it, 50 grams of carbon, uh, to call it clean energy. Kilowatt hour, yeah. Yeah, kilowatt hour. Uh, it's critical in this discussion. Uh, Steve, you, uh, we've got three minutes left, so I'll take about a minute and a half to clean, uh, to talk about why we need the measurements and why nuclear is, uh, is a good option. 
Okay. So th- we, we look at the, like you said, apples to apples costs, and there are studies out there. The trouble is that nobody hears those studies because the people advertising it are, you know, painting a picture of a pretty green blue sky and an ice cream grass and uh, all these people playing in the, in the windmill fields. So you're sort of thinking this is, it's a great thing. And they're telling you what the cost is going to be, but that's not the real cost that's going to happen. So as a consumer, you've got to be kind of smart about it. So what what we want what we propose is to if you first of all if i if you wanted to really fix this problem tomorrow you just end all subsidies you'd end all subsidies for fossil fuels you'd end all subsidies for nuclear and you'd end all subsidies for um renewables and something called energy efficiency 15% of 18 billion dollars a year goes to something called energy efficiency which i don't even know what that is i don't know where they're spending all that money is that convincing you to use less electricity? Well, we, we have technology so we can be more comfortable in our lives and use more electricity and have it be cheaper, not gum it all up and, you know, well, you can't use it and you have to turn your TV off automatically and all that stuff, which really doesn't save that much anyway. So it's really being gummed up in a lot of things that don't really put uh, your bill in, in mind. So if we move back to the, to the, uh, the industry control of this thing under some reasonable oh. regulations, nuclear would blow these people all away. If okay. nuclear is the safest, is the best safety industrial safety record that has way more regulations than any other of these uh, 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 energy businesses. And so that's, that's cost. That's cost in the pocket for these people who are trying to purvey nuclear. And you can't blame the utilities. If somebody's going to run around and hand you $100 million, you're probably hard to say no to. And they're handing you $100 million to put wind and solar up. They're not handing anything to put nuclear up. And so... What are you going to do as a as a, as a utility? It's got a, an investor base. Right. Yeah, right. you're going to go paper the whole nation with these things. There's no okay. environmental impact statements for these things. If nuclear goes in, you have to have a huge multi-year environmental impact statement. Not a single thing for wind and solar. You can you know you can alienate all the turtles you want to and cut down all the trees you want to, and nobody really cares. It's really a problem. All right, folks, we've been uh, listening to the two guests here, Mr. Steve Curtis and Tom Dolan, uh, both uh, nuclear experts. Our our discussion today is all renewable fuels, are the future energy needs being met? Are we comparing apples to apples as far as uh, the type of renewable fuels and the uh, energy uh, output and as well as the consumption of the energy? We've been talking about uh, the carbon-free energy, the green uh, uh, revolution. Uh, We're talking about clean energy. How do you define clean energy? In our third segment, we're going to talk about uh, should uh, nuclear fuel be uh, considered uh, as part of this process and what do we need to do uh, to go forward in the U.S. as we start uh, uh, comparing apples to apples in the renewable fuels. Anyway, we'll be right back. We'll go back to our second commercial break. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
We all know that today our country is in many ways run by vested interests, which have accumulated large amounts of power for themselves and at our expense. But this can be changed by recognizing the problems and then by adopting libertarian solutions to address them. Tune into All Rise, the Libertarian Way with Judge Jim Gray. Judge Gray and his guests will discuss the problem areas of today and then present solutions that result in a better world for ourselves and our children. Tune in Fridays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, folks. Uh, well, let's continue on with T3 program. Our topic today is all renewables are the future energy needs met through renewable fuels. We've been discussing this topic with uh, Mr. Steve Curtis and Tom Dolan, uh, both nuclear experts. So I'd like for the audience who are listening and disagree with our topic here on renewables and the subject of, uh, you know, solar, wind, uh, uh, geo uh, power, and any other renewables out there, uh, please give us a call. Uh, we are trying to really understand the subject and compare apples to apples. So give us a call at 866-472-5788 or email me at todaytomorrowstechnologies at gmail.com. Uh, let's continue on. Uh, I, as I stated earlier, for those of you just joining us, this has been a series of shows. Well, the first show was uh, a discussion on renewable fuel solutions, nuclear energy. The second show was recycling the ashes of nuclear fission. And today's show is all renewables are the future energy needs met. And one of the things that uh, keeps coming up is how do we compare uh, the Really, the definitions, uh, Steve calls it a standard-based system. How do we establish a standard-based system so that uh, the variables and the metrics we use against the uh, renewable fuels of solar, wind, geothermal, uh, hydroelectrics, and others are comparative with those in natural gas, nuclear, and coal? So we've got to come up with a measuring system that uh, we can discuss and analyze apple-to-apple comparison. Right now, Steve made a great suggestion that we need to get rid of sub, uh, the subsidies, all subsidies to just get on an even plane. So that that's what we'll end up doing. Uh, the first segment, we discussed uh, uh, renewable energy and their impact in the U.S. and the, and the production. Uh, the second segment, we talked about uh, major factors that make up renewable fuels metrics and should uh, nuclear energy be considered. On this segment, I'm going to throw it out to Steve again, and we're going to continue talking the apple and uh, apple to apple 
comparison and some of the difficulties uh, why uh, trying to do research in this area has been uh, pretty difficult, at least uh, trying to establish that standard-based system. So, Steve, let's continue that discussion. Why should we establish a standard-based system and why is it so important as the U.S. Uh, begins to produce new, uh, new energy or uh, and the consumption of energy is predicted to grow by 2050? Oh yeah, yeah. We got to deal with that, and it's, I mean, it's coming up on us fast. And a lot of people are telling us we're all going to be dead in 12 years if we don't get rid of carbon dioxide increase and everything. And yet they're shunning nuclear fuel. Doesn't make any sense at all. So what I'm, what I'm, what throughout our history in America, we've had something called the free enterprise system. And what the free enterprise system has done is given the consumer the best quality for the best price. You can walk into Menards. You can buy the best. Uh, weed eater that you can find in there with all the attributes on it, and you can buy it. There's no subsidies for one type of weed eater over another. There's no uh, illegal competition. And this was all started when John Davidson Rockefeller, maybe you've heard of him, Standard Oil, uh, started buying up all the uh, gasoline and and oil interests in the United States and got to where uh, he would go into a town, open up a gas station, sell gas for a tenth of what everybody else does. When they blew them all out of business, he'd raise it to... To, to you know, two or three times what it was when the competition was there, and that's what he did in every town in America. Well, Congress put a, their foot down on that, and that's where they came up with antitrust, Sherman Antitrust Act. It was implemented where they broke up Standard Oil Company, they broke up AT and T. Remember, you probably remember that in the communication area when they got too much of a control and there was no competition in communications, and Microsoft got in trouble when they started monopolizing the uh, internet search engine. They got got all over them. Well, this is just the opposite. This is an antitrust act that the government is putting into place. So imagine if all you have now is solar and wind power and you've run all the nuclear energy uh, interests out of business and you've run all the fossil and natural gas uh, interests out of business, which will not happen and cannot happen. And I'll bet anybody now that, they'll, that in 50 years we'll see coal-fired plants and, and, and natural gas plants still operating because there's no, there's no way they're going to be able to replace those in, 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 in that time that they're saying. That's all just hype that people are saying so they can get elected. But if, if, if we did, and we, all we had was solar and wind, and we don't have the efficiency, where do you think the price is going to go to the consumer? And if you want the electricity, and that's the only place you can get it, that's where you're going to have to buy it. So what we're having is a government-mandated antitrust, uh, 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 antitrust situation where they're actually promoting one, one industry and one sector to get all the business. And it just is, it boggles the mind that that could even be constitutional. But as you as a consumer should be worried about that. You should be up in arms about that. You should be calling your congressman, and you should be going to court, and you should be complaining big time about that because you're the one that's going to pay the bill. No matter where the money comes from, you're going to pay the bill. Right, right. Well, let me uh, just uh, invite the public, if you want to know a little bit more about uh, the topic of renewable fuels, I suggest you go to a couple websites. Uh, the one uh, we've been doing a lot of research on is the uh, HTTPS, uh, semicolon, backslash, backslash, www. Uh, dot eia.gov. Uh, go into the uh, backslash outlooks, backslash AEO, backslash table reference dot PHP. Also, another good one is the uh, is the HTTP. 
https semicolon backslash backslash virginia recycle uh, dash snf.com both of these are on our uh, summary topic so if you get a little confused just go to uh, voiceamerica.com uh, the variety channel look up today tomorrow's technology and today's program you can go back and look at this some of the discussions that we have have been researched uh, for for uh, for Steve he's been doing this for 30 years Tom uh, uh, for many years both as uh, as an interested party and an also as a law enforcement. So, Tom, as we move into Virginia, we've already talked about the displacement and size of those, uh, I guess, uh, uh, wind farms. And in, in, in what can we expect out of Virginia in the next coming years? Well, right now, uh, last year, uh, the governor declared that he wants to be carbon-free uh, by the year 2050. Uh, they just uh, voted in and approved a mandate called Virginia Clean Economy Act, which uh, I believe is now going to be in effect by 2045. So that's 25 years from now. And they're saying that there will be no more uh, carbon energy to produce electricity here. And they have little mandates along the way that will describe what's happening. Uh, Part of this is they're putting off this uh, offshore. They're uh, a very large, uh, you know, wind uh, farm. They're doing the first two uh, as a test to see how that's going to go. That's a $300 million test for a pair of turbines. It should be up by next year. Uh, we'll see what happens with it. But what happens here is uh, the ratepayers are the ones who are going to be fitting, uh, footing the bill. Right now, the way uh, the laws are written up and what, what happens here is that they're saying uh, the ratepayer will be paying for, uh, here it is, uh, under Virginia's electricity regulation, utilities are allowed to recover costs they invest in the grid as a fair rate of return. And also they have a guaranteed amount for their investors that they have to get back. And then the rest comes down to the rate payers. They're saying in seven to eight years, uh, everyone's bill in Virginia should be going up roughly $25 for, per bill for all of this stuff that they're doing for the Clean Economy Act. Uh, you know, I think what's going to happen is they're going to fall flat on their faces because most of this stuff in Virginia, they're looking at wind and solar, which is a, only a temporary daytime or windy time uh, solution. Uh, how can they possibly do that and still turn your switch on and have power at home? Uh, it's not going to happen. Uh, um, I'm surprised that they haven't really been looking at studies overseas. You can see that different places like Germany or even in Sweden, uh, it's windy when you don't need the power. And what happens is they're paying some of the highest prices because they have to import electricity from other countries to be able to uh, turn the switch on and still have electricity uh, when the wind's not blowing and the sun's not shining. So. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. It's going to be uh, very interesting to see what happens here in Virginia, the way they're uh, moving forward with a lot of this stuff. I mean, it's good that they want to go carbon-free, but they're going to need a lot more than just wind and solar and hydro uh, to get this accomplished. So, right, uh, time, uh, that's for, point, time frame is really short. 
That's a good point because I want to come back to Germany. And Germany is a classic example of having nuclear power, switching to the green, uh, you know, solar and wind, and now uh, trying to import major pipeline through the country of fossil fuels from uh, from the Soviet Union. So uh, that they've gone a full circle. Any comments on that, Steve, and how that? Yeah. Happened? Yeah, that's they're they're they've gone they're they're over the years when they and they haven't shut down on nuclear plants yet. They're in the process of shutting them down. They okay. haven't shut them all down yet, but they are in the process of shutting them down. As they shut them down, their air gets dirtier. It just does, and they're not successful with their wind and solar plants, and so they're backing those up and adding natural gas. Every time you close down a reactor, you got to put up two or three natural gas plants. So that's what's happening in Germany, and yeah, so they want the pipeline from. From Russia, but what happens if Russia turns off the spigot? They're going to sit there in the winter and freeze. So it's not a free enterprise system that's working for you. It's not anything that's based on consumer needs. It has some basis in what sounds good to the public and and what they can sell, you know, in the campaign literature. And and it it, it doesn't bode well for the future of, of of any of these countries. And so a lot of the countries have seen it. China's seen it. You know, it's not China's just not building nuclear power reactors, they're building windmills, they're building solar panels, they're building uh, gas, coal, everything fired electricity, because their electric demand is going up crazy up. So, but they're building more nuclear power plants than the rest of the world put together. And, 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 and why? Because it's, it's gratefully uh, profitable. That's why we put them in the first place. You can build a power plant. We talked about last week about recycling. You can feed five gigawatt electric uh, uh, power plant for, for a fast reactor, with 100 ton per year uh, recycling of the used nuclear fuel we have today sitting around that they'll pay us to take. Right. And right. so you can do that for about $2,000 a kilowatt. Right Right now today, you, well, they're not ready for the market today, but they have been tested and they worked for 30 years in, in Idaho, and so it wouldn't take long to get them back on the market if people would just get off the back of nuclear. Not not give it anything, any any kind of extra help, just make it parity with, with uh, wind and solar and biomass and all that other stuff. And if you want to put a, 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 a charge on, on, on clean air, that's fine. But make it clean air, not make it just a, a sector. But nuclear blow them away in profitability. Their plants take about 10 years to pay off, and they run for 80 years. Some, some will probably be running 100 years. There's no sure. reason why they can't run 100 years. And now they're shutting them down because the utilities all want to get money from this uh, bonus uh, you know, lottery that, that keeps pouring out of Washington. So that, that and the states are bailing out a lot of the reactors now because they know this is not good for their state. Okay. So the utilities so are sitting there with their hand out saying, give me some free money, you know? Yeah. We've got a minute yeah. left. Let me just do a recap real quick. Uh, we've been talking to, uh, today. subject is all renewable all renewables are the future energy needs met, and that's the topic of today. Our guest today is Steve Curtis and Tom Dolan. Uh, we've been having a series of discussions. Uh, we, this is the third part uh, of the show. First two uh, were a renewable fuel solution, nuclear energy. The second show was recycling the ashes of nuclear fission. Vision and today's show, all renewables are the future energy needs met. And as we discovered today, uh, based on the discussion both Steve and Tom had, we've got to come up with the standards. Anyway, more discussions on that. Uh, I suggest you go to our podcast, go to voiceamerica.com, go to the Variety Channel, look us up uh, today, tomorrow's technologies. I'd like to acknowledge uh, in 30 seconds, uh, of course, executive producer Deep Daniels and, of course, my executive assistant, Alexander Loreno. Uh, 
for helping us put this uh, show together. Thanks, uh, guests. Uh, appreciate it, Steve and Tom. A lot more discussion on the subject uh, in the future, and I appreciate you uh, both coming on to the show today. You're welcome, Jose. Anytime. Thank you. All right, Thank guys. Well, folks, that wraps up for today's uh, program. Hopefully, you go to the two websites and uh, look us up uh, today, Tomorrow's Technologies. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. We hope you'll join your host, Jose Negron, for another exciting program next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Enjoy the rest of your week.